When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Secret Squad. I'm Robin McGraw, and this is a new episode of I've Got a Secret. I'm here today with someone whom I deeply admire. Tana Amon is a New York Times bestselling author, vice president of the Amon Clinics, a neurosurgical ICU trauma nurse, and a world-renowned health and fitness expert. Tana's new book, The Relentless Courage of a Scare. The first page of a book never tells the full story. And those news alerts and headlines, like the ones we get on our phones, don't even scratch the surface of what the story is really all about. Stories are like people, multi-layered and complex. It takes some digging to find the truth, but when we find it, it can change our world. We like to dig. The news on Merritt Street, essential television. Her child is an eye-opening look into her childhood abandonment and abuse, numerous battles with cancer and depression, and a never-ending fight to be valued for more than her outward appearance. Tanner wrote this book to face her past and offer hope and healing to others struggling with traumatic experiences. I am thrilled to be able to discuss with her the secret to hopeful healing. Thank you very much for being here today, Tana. Oh, thank you. It's such an honor, Robin. Oh, my. It's a true honor to have you. So thank you for saying that. I have been so looking forward to having you here today, especially after reading your book. The book is, of course, I just described what it is all about. And I just want all the listeners to know right now that it's not a heavy book. It's about a lot of heavy experiences in your life, granted. But it is such a heartfelt purpose-driven book. It's so obvious that you have written about your life to help others with their lives. That is so true. And so there was a point in my life when I literally wanted to die. I thought I was just wasting oxygen on the planet. There was no purpose for my life. And the craziest part about that was that I had no idea that that time, what I went through, all those struggles would lead to what I'm doing now. And so I I like to think of that as pain to purpose. Mm -hmm. And that's really what I wanted to leave people with is that the hope of if you're going through that now, and we're in unprecedented times. Mm -hmm. So if you're struggling with depression, anxiety, any of those things, there's hope. And you just can't know what tomorrow holds and how, how your story of struggle and trauma could be someone else's you know, manuscript for survival. That's a beautiful way to put it. And that's exactly how I felt reading your book. I thought, wow these experiences that you went through in your life, you wrote about them in such a profound way that I felt like I was going through them with you, or I I felt like, oh, I wish I could have held your hand through most of it, or I wish I could have been there for you. But of course, the way you write about it, each and every one of them, gives us all hope for a light at the end of the tunnel, or a message to give someone else they know is going through it. So I really believe that your book is just a how-to or a promise that you can survive. Mm, thank you so much. And I I was hoping, because I remember feeling for so long with some of the things that I had gone through that I had no voice because I had just stuffed it all so deep down inside. It was so painful that I thought, it feels like the, the biggest thing in the world when you're going through something like that and you can't talk about it. So my hope was that, okay, by coming through this and doing all the hard work I did, I'm not going to tell you what happened overnight, Mm -hmm. but by doing the work I did that maybe by writing about it, I could give a voice to people who are are feeling like that. Yes. Just like they have no voice for what they went through, for their experiences. Well, can you first tell the listeners a bit about your background and Amon Clinic? So let's just start fresh and, and tell all of the listeners about yourself, about your background and Amon Clinic's. So um, I'm a neurosurgical ICU nurse by trade, a trauma nurse. I worked in a level A trauma unit. Mm. Um, I met my husband, um, my best friend, 
Uh, oh, gosh, and I'm going to interrupt right here because <laughs> I want all of the listeners to know that her husband, when, when she just said that, her face just lit up. <laughs> she got this beautiful smile on her face. She's a beautiful woman, beautiful inside and out. I'm just going to tell you. But your face just lit up. You have the most beautiful smile. Your eyes are just glistening. And I also want the listeners to know that her husband, Dr. Amon, is here in, in the office with us. And he's here as a support and he's listening and he's now I'm looking at him and he's smiling at her. So uh, obviously a lot of beautiful love between the two of you. So I had to interrupt you there. So, well, today I'm using him for eye candy, but normally he's he's my best friend. He's my rock. And, you know, um, I, it's funny. I, people who go through trauma and go through those types of experiences, I never knew this in the past, but one sign of resilience is that you tend to minimize it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, it wasn't that bad compared to whatever someone. I'm like, well, I wasn't chained to a radiator like some kids are. Yes. Like, you'll find the craziest ways to minimize it to survive. Mm-hmm. And so when I met my husband, number one, I almost canceled my first date with him when I found out he was a psychiatrist. Oh. Didn't want to date a shrink, right? <laughs> yes. But um, what I really didn't want to do was, was be seen. Yes. I didn't want to be psychoanalyzed and be seen and have someone look through the facade that I had built. Yes. But... I've said a few times, don't doctor film me. <laughs> right, exactly. So that's great. Um, so yeah, you know what I'm talking yes, about. Yes, I do. <laughs> um, but when I met him, he has this really, really, really smooth way of getting you to open up. Oh. <laughs> and when I did, he kept validating me, but he's like, this isn't nothing. He's like, I know you keep talking about it like it's nothing, oh. and this isn't nothing. You've been through a lot, and you're amazing. You've overcome it. And that was the first time I really acknowledged that there was, I mean, I knew there was trauma. I was, I was dealing with it in very unhealthy ways, but I never labeled it mm-hmm. and I really mm-hmm. never acknowledged it. And it was when he did that, that I felt safe enough. Oh, wow. So, so it's safe to say he was your knight in shining armor. Yeah, he's my rock. <laughs> I, I call him the yin to my yang. He's my oh, rock. He like grounds me. So I love that. I'm a little intense, but. <laughs> I love that. And so how long have y'all been married? So we've been married 12 years, but we're together 15. I love that. Yeah. That's wonderful. So that's how you met. Right. Working there at one of the clinics. No, no. um, We actually met. I started working with Daniel afterwards. I was working in a hospital. And so I always have to clarify this. I wasn't a patient. (laughs) It might look like that when you read my book. Um, I wasn't a patient. Um, He will tell you that I was an ongoing project, but not a patient. (laughs) Um, no, I wasn't working there until okay. after we were together. I see. And so I started to transition from the hospital to just loving doing the lifestyle stuff for our clinics yes. and oh. teaching people how to eat and get better through food. And, I love that. Um, no, we went on a date and oh. I almost canceled it when I found out he was a psychiatrist. Yes. And then I just, there was something so warm about him. And mm-hmm. so. You felt safe. Comforting. Yeah. Yes. That was, I always say that about Philip. It's like the minute I met him, all of a sudden I just felt safe. I just thought yeah. I'm safe in life, and I will be for the rest of my life. Isn't There's, that interesting? Yes, yes. Yes. Mine was a little trickier. I He would tell you I tortured him for 18 months, but <laughs> I wasn't. that's when I was doing the hard work, uh-huh. and it, I didn't mm-hmm. trust myself. Mm-hmm. So one thing I could tell listeners that are going through difficult things, they've had past trauma or current trauma with mm-hmm. what's happening, um, it's really hard to be authentic in a relationship if you haven't dealt with your own stuff. You take oh, you so into anything. And I knew that I didn't want to hurt this person. I knew that I couldn't do it again um, and and have a failed relationship until I sort of took care of myself. Uh-huh. That's so true. That's so true. And you cared enough about him to know that and mm. to do what you needed to do. Yeah. I love that. So let's talk about your new book, The Relentless Courage of a Scared Child. So what encouraged you to write this book and why now? Wow. Um, up until I met Daniel, I never thought I would talk about any of this stuff. I mean, I had built this facade, I built this wall, I disconnected from people, and I was, as long as you didn't try to get inside that wall, I was good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I never really thought I would talk about it. Which is really it. common for someone yeah. that's gone through what you went through. Right, and I never thought I would talk about it. He was always encouraging me to talk about it, and I'm like, you're out of your mind. Mm-hmm. That's not gonna happen. Um, also, I have a little girl, and so I knew it, when I finally started doing the work on myself and releasing it and realizing I don't have a reason to feel shame, I'm I'm the survivor. Like, there's no reason True. for me to be, you know, carry this weight around any longer. And I finally got over that part of it. I thought, you know, I need to wait until she's old enough. Yes. Um, to understand all of this stuff before I start writing all of my family mm-hmm. dirt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, so it just finally felt like the right time. She and I had had some really, really good talks. I felt like it was helpful to her. And I realized her generation is still struggling with some of the same things I really struggled with growing up. 
it felt like the right time. <gasps> I, I had that. no idea the pandemic was coming. I mean, that was sort of coincidental. Uh-huh. Um, so the overcoming, you know, anxiety, trauma, grief, depression, yes. I feel like it's sort of apropos. Oh, it's just a perfect time. Yeah. It's a perfect time. Uh, so how old is your daughter? She's 17. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. So we used to say she was going to either take be the leader of the free world or the leader of a gang. We weren't sure which one. <laughs> She's very intense, very strong. Oh. But I've sort of Together, we have shaped that personality and just guided it. You know, you never want to break it, right, we've guided right. it, and she's an amazing human. Oh, I admire you so much for having that instinct as a mother and a woman to wait until you had her support mm-hmm. to write yeah. to write about your life. Uh, so, and so you decided now is the time, and what a, like you just said, what a perfect time for your book to come out with what the entire world is going through. Right. So we're, well, I think we're all experiencing a huge trauma in our lives and mm-hmm. we're all experiencing it in different ways. Right. And I think your book is so ideal for all of us. That it's, just, it's, it's a book that everyone can take something away from. Mm, thank you. Especially right now. So uh, was it difficult emotionally to go back to your childhood as an adult? It was. So there were some memories that were sort of fun to write about and just interesting. And I was more of like, you know, viewing it as a spectator. There were a few that there's one um, one situation, especially a date rape situation, mm. that it took me like weeks. I had to rewrite it and rewrite it and rewrite it. It was so hard to go back and visit that. And I've done the work on it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just because, you know, survivors of the Holocaust don't necessarily want to take a camping trip at Auschwitz, mm-hmm. right? You don't need to go <laughs> exactly. back to it. So it was really hard for me to go back to those things. Um, but but it's interesting. I'm glad I did. Because once I finally got through it, I was able to, and I interviewed people in my family, I started to see it through the eyes of an adult, not yes. the child who suffered, you know, the yes. experiences. Yes. And that is just, it's, you're so much more mature. You're so much more able to handle it and you uh-huh. reprocess uh-huh. it. It was very healing once I finally did. Oh, wow. So what would you say now to that child? I would tell that child, you are going to be stunned at how strong you are going to be, at what you will be able to accomplish, at how many people you're going to be able to help by being authentic. So stay strong, stay authentic. Oh, and do you look back now at that child that we're talking about then and realize just how strong you really were? You know, I guess I must have been, but I felt felt so broken. I Mm -hmm. felt so timid. It felt like one of those processes where you start as one thing and you sort of get forged by fire, if mm-hmm, you will. Mm-hmm. So it felt a little bit like alchemy, if you will. Mm-hmm, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but it felt like the forging through fire had to happen. So I'm not sure I started out that way, right. but obviously the ingredients were there. Right. Wow. Yeah. Well, you're, I, I have to tell you, just in my opinion, you are an amazingly strong child mm-hmm. and an even stronger woman. Thank you. Wow. So you've written 10 books. What mm-hmm. was the most challenging part of the writing process for this book? You know, if people don't like what you write about a self-help book, if they don't like the recipes you write, so what? Yeah. It's just, you know, some people are going to like it, some people aren't. If people start criticizing your memoir, if people start criticizing your personal experiences that you were so raw and so mm-hmm. vulnerable in writing, that's a whole different thing. You're right. So so I really prepared myself. You know, I did a lot of... Um, I've done so much therapy in the past, but I did a lot of just soul searching, meditation, prayer. And it's like, you know, it's none of my business what people think of me. Mm-hmm. And I really believe that now. It took mm-hmm. me a long time to get there, mm-hmm. but it's okay. You know, some people love you, some people hate you. Oh, and ultimately it has nothing to do with you. That is so true. Tell me if you agree with this. When I finished reading the book, I also feel like it's very spiritual based. It's mm, a very it spiritually based book. I contemplated not putting a whole lot of that in there, but the problem is it's my memoir. Yeah. So it's if it's me, that's uh-huh. one of the things that really made a difference for me was faith and mm-hmm. my spirituality. When we treat people at Amon Clinics, we talk about four circles. Biological, what's going on with your biology? Did you have a head injury? Do you have an infection? Do you have, like in my case, thyroid cancer? Yes. Things like that. But then there's the psychology, which mm-hmm. you know a lot about. Mm-hmm. It's how people think. It's, you know, do you discipline your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Then there's the social because... Who you hang out with matters. Yes. They're yes. contagious. That's right. And then there's the spiritual. Mm-hmm. And so many health professionals leave the spiritual circle out. But for us, that's a critical circle. Mm. We actually think that, we don't think, we know, because mm-hmm. research shows mm-hmm. that purposeful people live 11 years longer. Not everybody has the same spiritual beliefs I have, obviously. I know that. The book wasn't written mm-hmm. to convert anybody at all. 
it was simply written to show that that spiritual circle is mm. vital. Whatever your belief system is, it's vital that you that you have something beyond mm. yourself. That you're thinking that. about something larger than yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's why I had to even ask you if I'm right in how I'm thinking and feeling about the book, because you didn't write it like you just said. I don't think that you wrote it to convert anyone mm -mm. or to, to really preach. No. Uh, but... I do believe that I, I'm a very spiritual person as well, and I and I did take that away from the book as mm. well, and uh, it really brought me a lot of comfort and uh, peace. I love that that thread in the book. So one thing that I one of my favorite art forms is called kintsugi. Are you familiar with kintsugi? No, it's a Japanese art form, and it's where they take broken pottery. Uh -huh. and they mend it with either gold or platinum. So there's oh. these gold and platinum veins going through it. It's stunningly beautiful. Oh. And the philosophy behind it is that the pottery is not, it's not beautiful in spite of the breaks. It's beautiful because of the breaks. Oh, yes. It's every one of those broken pieces tells a story that adds to the beautiful art oh. here. And that's sort of what I think is it's like, we all have this opportunity to mend, right? We we fall, we get up, mm -hmm. we fly, we crash. But we have this opportunity to mend those broken pieces into something far more beautiful than what it started as oh. because of the stories that those tell. And, and for me, that was, that's a spiritual mm -hmm. component. I feel like with God's help, I was able to mend those, those mm -hmm. broken pieces. That's beautiful. And I just got the whole image that you were describing. You just gave a beautiful meaning to what I was trying to say. That and that's beautiful. I'll have to start looking for that art oh, that you were stunning. just talking about. Yeah, I there's bet a it is. there's one part in the book where um, I have did not have a good relationship with my dad. Was not a good relationship. Mm. But there's there's a part in the end where we mend our relationship, and and I'm he ends up dying in my arms. Mm -hmm. I'm praying for him. Mm. So I have his ashes, and I put them into a kintsugi <gasps> vase. So oh. it's like this person was not an easy person in my life. We didn't mm -hmm. have this great relationship, but that 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 urn mm -hmm. reminds me of, you know, the broken pieces make a more beautiful oh, whole. Wow. Uh -huh. So, Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Wow. I'm just sitting here with just chills all over my body <laughs> and every, every word you say. That, that right there, that was a beautiful message. Thank you. Yeah, I, I really think behavior is complicated. Yes, it is. So we, we spend so much time judging others, but not as harshly as we judge ourselves. So true. We are so mean to ourselves. I was so cruel to myself, but behavior is complicated. It's mm -hmm. not single or simple disorders and that's what we talk about at our clinics is it's it's more than one thing mm -hmm. and you know it's easy to call people bad it's harder mm -hmm. to ask why it's harder to do the work mm -hmm. than it is to just label someone dehumanize them and be able to to bash them whatever your belief system is that's so true that's so true and you know i think one thing that uh, a lot of times people forget is um we have to remember what someone else's perception is mm -hmm. uh if if it's different from our own we we sometimes want to put our own perception of, of the world or of life onto someone else. Yeah. But maybe that's not their perception. Like our perception is our reality. It's not always someone else's. Right. And I think if we forget that, then we're going to always be at a loss. 100%. Always be at a loss. Yeah. So, and we'll never build bridges. We'll always build walls. That's right. That's right. So my perception is my reality. It's not always someone else's. Right. And I have to always, I always try to re remind myself of that. That's just one of my daily reminders. Right. And that's actually one of the, the opening stories was I'm talking to a group of um, people struggling with addiction in one of the largest chemical addiction recovery programs in the country. Mm -hmm. And I realized, what am I going to teach these people? I am so angry and judgmental towards people who use substances because of because of the trauma that I endured mm -hmm. as a child growing up. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I can't talk to these people. I had them labeled mm -hmm. addicts, mm -hmm. junkies, you know, all mm -hmm. of these things. And I'm standing Weak. there. Yeah. And I'm thinking, why can't you follow the rules like everybody else? Because yes. they had these, they were court ordered to be there. Many of them have been in prison mm -hmm. and I'm not doing well. <laughs> I'm standing on yes. stage and it occurs to me, how am I going to teach them about, you know, the risks of gluten and dairy yeah. and all these yes. things when they're jonesing for a pipe and a needle, yeah. maybe. Yes. Yes. And so it was really hard. It was this moment. And so I, I took a step back. I said a quick prayer. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I had this vision of me as a scared child when I was really young, when I was little. And I looked out and I saw them in the same place. And I don't know how that happened. I mean, I do know how it happened. Mm -hmm. It was a God thing. But mm -hmm. I looked out and I saw it. I'm like, they're not junkies. They're not addicts. They're scared children. <sighs> 
And the minute I could do that and identify with them, I was able to overcome that wall I had built. And I was able to meet them in a place where I could where I could actually relate or and reach out connect. to them. Uh-huh. Where I could connect. Mm-hmm. Because as long as I had junkie and addict in my head, mm-hmm. I, there was no way I was gonna like risk it. That's right. But as a scared child, it's like we were all scared children at one time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can start there. <gasps> That's so true. So my next question is, you said before that you haven't always been spiritual. How and when did you find faith? That was a rocky road. Um, so my um, my father, who did drugs when I was young and abandoned me and left and um, never had a good relationship with me, really didn't pay attention to me, didn't communicate at all on the rare occasion that I ever did see him, became a Baptist minister. So, so religion became a very big thing when I would see him. But I mean like hellfire, brimstone, mm-hmm. pounding oh, me yes, with religion. Baptist. Oh, yes. So not, at, but there was no relationship. Mm-hmm. And then I also witnessed, you know, him embezzling money from the church and then doing drugs with my half-sister. And I'm like, I'm confused about uh-huh. this minister thing. Yes. So it really affected my relationship and my walk with God for a long time. And I, I disconnected. And then when I went through my depression, um, after having cancer multiple times, I crashed. And I thought, you know, if there's a God, he doesn't love me. Mm. And I just disconnected completely. And my life didn't get better because of that. It got a lot worse. It was after that I had one friend who was just a true friend. She was amazing, non-judgmental, never pushed. And she was not one of those. I'm like, wait, Christians are supposed to be hellfire and brimstone. They're Uh supposed to be judgmental. Uh But she wasn't that person. And it was just through her love and her guidance that I realized I came to this, this realization my dad's not God. I was actually allowing my my own spiritual walk to be affected by a human. My dad's not God. Like whatever connection I want to have needs to be my own my own relationship. Whatever he did is because he's a flawed human. That's right. We're all fallible human beings. So you were you were putting a big role on his shoulders. Right. And That's- so I was in my 20s probably when that happened. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. That's wonderful. And it was still rocky after that. Uh-huh, there were uh-huh. moments. Oh, yes. You know, not, recovery and, and even, um, I think, evolution doesn't happen in a straight line. That's there right. There are little bumps along the <laughs> oh, way, yes. which I certainly Nothing's experienced. perfect. Right. Nothing. No one is perfect. Right. So what role has your faith played in your healing? Huge. It's been huge. So, I mean, I, I don't think that, I'm not one of those people who thinks you can just, even though I do believe in the supernatural power of prayer, mm-hmm. I, I don't believe that we were put here to just sit in one spot and just pray for everything to be better. You can't pray, you know, let there be no weeds in my garden, let there right. be no weeds in my garden, right. and not go pick the weeds. Right. But for me, it meant I would find strength when I had none. Mm-hmm. There were going to be answers where I couldn't find any. Mm-hmm. Um, it gave me the tools and the insight to be able to do the work that needed to be done, and the, and the power and the energy when I didn't have it. Uh-huh. And so that's really what it meant to me. Oh, wow, that is one. That's beautiful. Something you just said reminded me of a person that was in our life a long time ago and was a very spiritual person. And it was when I was just really finding my place in my spiritual life, I believe. And she was very confusing to me because uh, she would always say, oh, just turn that over to the Lord. Just turn that over to the Lord. And I was like, what's the Lord going to do with it? With it, like I would say something like, "Oh, I'm so exhausted. I don't feel like preparing dinner tonight. Right. You know, I don't feel like cooking dinner tonight." Or, "Well, just turn that over to the Lord." And I used to just kind of go, "Well, he's well, not he going to make dinner for your family." Dinner. <laughs> yes. And so it just it really bothered me because it, that's what she said all the time. But it was as I got stronger in my spiritual life that I realized what she was saying was not just give it to him. Right. Just, just. Turn that over. Surrender. And take, yes, surrender and take that pressure off yourself. Mm -hmm. You're too hard on yourself. Just turn some of it over. But I would immediately get like, what? Yeah. (laughs) I think think for me, when people um, started to say that to me, I think when I was younger, I did the same thing you did. I began to realize for myself, it was, oh, surrender the anxiety. Surrender the fear. Surrender the the depression. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Surrender the emotions around it. Yes. And then you're going to be more clear yes. and have more energy to be able to handle what you have to do. Yes. And I, yes, you're right. And I, it's almost like I always want to find her and apologize to her for <laughs> what I used to think. Like, 
well, he's not going to come in here and cook dinner or right. give that baby a bath or whatever. She he's, probably already knows that. <laughs> she probably, <laughs> thank you for saying that. Thank you, because I think she probably does. Just like right. you're absolutely right. She probably does. But, uh, you know, I have a favorite Bible verse that I always go to. It's framed. I have it sitting on my vanity in my bathroom because it was just about that time when I read it. I thought, you know, this is what really gave me that true comfort right. in my spiritual life. And it's Luke chapter 1, verse 45. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his mm. promise to her. That right there has always meant so much to me. It just, I just got body chills again, but there's something about that that to me is so powerful. I love that. Do you love it? I do. Yeah. Yeah. If you ask me um, how my spirituality sort of helped me, and I think that that's precisely what it is. You find these nuggets and you find these you just, you find this power in mm -hmm. certain things and it gives you, for me, believing that there was something bigger than myself. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I knew I was never gonna be able to do it on my, mm -hmm. I just, it was too much of a mess. My mm -hmm. life was too broken. It yeah. was just too much of a I mess. Love that. And I love that you, even when you realized that your father wasn't God, yeah. that you, and you kind of took that pressure off of yourself and off of him. Yeah. That's a, that was a big step. And it was a big step in me forgiving him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so forgiveness, you know, I spent so long being angry and bitter yes. towards people in my family. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's it's such a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. It's mm -hmm. like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. <gasps> oh, that right there. That's, so, I love that. Yeah, no, it's like when you hold on to bitterness, mm -hmm. it does far more harm to you than the person it's aimed at. It's so true. That's so true. And think how many of the listeners out there right now, how many of the listeners you've helped just by what you just said, everything you've said, everything in the book is so going to change so many lives. But I believe what you just said. I think one question I started asking myself regularly, it's like, if I'm not willing to do this for him, am I willing to do it for me? Mm. If I can't forgive him for him right now, because people will say, well, they don't deserve it. Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't, but do you? That's so true. So if you can't do it for them, just for now, can mm -hmm. you set that aside and do it for yourself? Forgive That's so for true. You know, just another quote that I've always loved and I think is very important. I've said before on this podcast is one that uh, I never knew how strong I was until I chose to forgive someone who wasn't sorry and accept an apology that was never given. Mm. That's so, to me, so powerful yes. for, for personal reasons. Yeah. And, and boundaries are still interesting. I mean, they, they're still important. That's right. So I have people, in my, if you read my book, you know there are people yep. in my family. Yes. There are a couple stories not in there for a reason. And mm. it sort of seems like, why is this hole here? Why does she never talk about this person? Mm -hmm. It seems pretty obvious. Yes. But there's a reason for that. Mm. There are some pretty strong boundaries around certain people because you have to protect yourself as well. Mm -hmm. And when you grow up in trauma and chaos and there are people in your life that for whatever reason they're not able to respect your boundaries. Uh -huh. You identify your boundaries, you make them clear, and you make them known. Uh -huh. And when they can't respect that, if they continually lie to you, mm -hmm. manipulate, mm -hmm. um, threaten, bully, any mm -hmm. of those things, and they can't respect that, for me, mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a hard boundary because my primary responsibility is to my immediate family. And it's mm -hmm. like, I'm not going to bring my past into my present. I'm just mm -hmm. not gonna do it. Mm -hmm. So I can love them, I can love them from a distance. Bravo. Right, so those boundaries are still really important. But that doesn't mean I can't forgive them. I can forgive them, I can love them. They don't need to be in my life for that to happen. But from afar. <gasps> That's so true. Boundaries are so important and we all have the right to set them. Right. And we the only the people right. who aren't going to respect them are the people who benefited from you Setting them. not having them. That's right. I want to take just a little pause right now to do something that we do in every podcast, and that is the drink of the day. And mm. we come up with something that I think is always perfect for our present podcast that we're this. doing. And oh, so our drink so of the day is great. Tana's Look Pumpkin Spice Up Cappuccino. Oh, it's so beautiful. So what you do is oh, this. You. Of course, you can all go to I've Got a Secret with RobinMcGraw.com, and you'll see the recipe, and you'll see our drink of the day all prepared, but you want to have one pot of coffee, two cups of almond milk, eight drops of pumpkin flavored liquid, and yeah. stevia. Yep. Okay, and then cinnamon for garnish. While your coffee brews, heat two cups of almond milk on the stove or in the microwave. Pour coffee, warm milk, stevia, and pumpkin spice into a blender. Blend until froth forms. Pour into a mug of your choice. Garnish with cinnamon and enjoy. So that's what so we're having great. for our drink of the what day. What a nice little surprise. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Oh, and it smells so delicious. Mm. 
one of my favorite things about this time of year is oh, um, pumpkin spice everything, right? Yes, I love, you know, <laughs> pumpkin pie is my favorite. Spice people. <laughs> me too, me too. And I love pumpkin, but I, pumpkin pie is my absolute favorite dessert. Yeah. And I only allow myself during the holidays. It's like, if I have pumpkin pie in the middle of July, I'm just like, no, I can't do that. Yeah. I can't do that. I have to wait until the holidays. See, that's my, my um, that's how I got into what I do is my gift is sort of rehabbing recipes. Yes. And swapping out ingredients that, yes. you know, are not that healthy with ones yes. that, you can still have pumpkin pie. That's right. You know, almost as much as you want if you just swap out certain ingredients. Oh, and that's kind of what I do. Yeah, good to know. Yeah. yeah. I have an almond cookie recipe that belonged to my mother, passed down, and I... My boys love it. The family loves it. So I only make them. It's a tradition that my mother did. She only made them at the holiday, Christmas, Thanksgiving, and Christmas. So that's the only time I make them. Mm -hmm. And I've always said, I swear, if I walked out in May and handed the family some of these cookies, they'd think, she's what gone crazy. Right. <laughs> she's crazy. What's she doing? Right. So, okay, so now we're, let's get back to this. In addition to finding faith, you also developed a relationship with exercise and healthy eating. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that journey. So my, my relationship with food and exercise started off very unhealthy. Um, I suffered from an eating disorder as a teenager that would rear its head. Like I'd go 10 years with, without even, even thinking about, you know, purging, but then all of a sudden it would pop up if I was super anxious oh. or like when I got cancer and couldn't exercise mm. because what had happened is I switched from from physically purging you know vomiting because mm -hmm. I knew I found out how bad it was for me mm -hmm. and my mom was threatening to check me into an eating disorders clinic and I'm like okay I'm not doing this I'm gonna like switch to I was it was more of a an anxiety control uh -huh. for me so I switched to extreme exercise and I would exercise for two and a half hours every day beat my body up as hard as I could but it relieved the the anxiety mm -hmm. and so that became my medicine but when I couldn't exercise, the other would then pop up. So it was when I, it was probably just before my daughter was born that I decided I need to fix this. I need to heal this. I need to make sure that I raise her differently because your kids don't do what you say. Your kids do what you do. That's your so kids true. don't do what you say. They do what you do. That's so true. And I just, I had this internal burning idea that if I don't get healthy, my daughter is going to just pick up my bad habits. And so, of course, my husband, by then I was dating him when she was about two years old, and he's like, mm. that's absolutely true. Oh. And so I learned how to use exercise and food in a really healthy way. And then I felt like I had to share it with everybody because I started wondering where that information was when I was struggling. Everything you put on the end of your fork matters yes. when it comes to anxiety, depression, you know, just um, binge eating, mm -hmm. cravings. Mm -hmm. It matters how you exercise, whether you're using it for positive gain or, or if it, you're beating yourself up with mm -hmm. it or not doing it at all. It's so true. And you can actually drastically change the way you feel when you're doing it in a healthy way. Boy, that's so true. You know, when I was preparing for this podcast with you, I and after reading your book, and then I started learning so much about the brilliant you. I mean, you are so talented, so brilliant. And, uh, and I'm not to say that because Thank you're you. sitting here and you're on this podcast. I mean it. And I told my staff, I feel like we should be best friends. Oh, because I, Well, that would be an honor. <laughs> yeah, it would be an honor to me. There are so many things that I admire about you and also the way you think and, and what you believe. Because what you just talked about with what you put into your body, how to be healthy and healthy eating, because I'm like obsessed with that mm -hmm. almost. It, I, well, obviously, you. you look amazing. So. Oh, thank you. Well, this pandemic has, I called it the quarantine quit. I right. haven't really <laughs> been hard. as focused as I should be or, you know, with the exercise and the eating. But I, I, I say it's okay. We, we're all under a lot of pressure and with this pandemic and the quarantine. And so maybe I'm not as focused as I always have been, but I've told myself that's okay. But your thinking on health and exercise and what you put in your body was so interesting to me. I love it so much because I so agree with everything like sugar. Right. I, I think sugar is like poison. It is. And I had a doctor tell me, I had a, well, actually not a doctor, I was a pharmacist. And I was always going in to sit and talk with him. And I loved visiting with him. So I would go in to pick up something or fill a prescription or whatever. And then we would end up having a conversation that lasted for hours. And uh, the one topic, many topics, but one of my favorite was when we would start talking about sugar. Right. 
because that's back when I started entering the phase of menopause and and I just got so focused on learning about everything I could about my body and about that phase of life and feel like that's probably when I became the healthiest, started the phase of being the healthiest I've ever been was when I became obsessed with learning everything I could about right. menopause and, and myself. And uh, part of that was learning about what to put into my body. It makes a difference. Yes, it does. It made such a difference. And, and sugar was the number one topic. And he actually said, sugar is like poison. Yep. He said, there are two things your body does not know what to do with, sugar and gluten. Yep, it, 100%. When we treat people at our clinics, um, our best testimonials come from people who, who will get their food right. Mm -hmm. So because it just makes such a radical difference in yes. their behavior and their mood. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we've got eight clinics. We just opened Dallas. And, <sighs> and during this time, Dave. people are struggling more than ever. Depression mm -hmm. has tripled. Yes. And so <gasps> we've got people lined up that need help. And when we sometimes when we tell them, you know, if you can get your food right and we give them a plan, they're like, wait, no, I just want to make it easy. Give me a magic cure. Well, no, it's not that it's, we can't. It's, it's not going to be yes. as, as great as if you do your part and you can get your diet right and exercise as well. So true. Your healing is just so much better. Your mm -hmm. energy is so much Such better. Such a huge part of it. I'm so thrilled you said you just opened one in Dallas. Mm -hmm. <gasps> so thrilled to hear and that. We had a waiting list before we opened oh, because I love it. of what's going on. I don't blame you. I love it. Yeah. I'm so happy for Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yes, I think nutrition is such a huge part. Nutrition, exercise, huge part of healing a, an unhealthy body. It is. So I'm so thrilled. And it was certainly a big part of healing for myself. When I wrote mm -hmm. those books, I wrote mm -hmm. them to heal myself. Yes. But then my husband was like, we need to teach this to our patients. True. And that's how I started writing my book. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations. So is there a very specific correlation between mental health and exercise for you? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So using it in a healthy way as opposed to an unhealthy way, like I was. But if you're using exercise in a healthy way, um, exercise is one of the few things. Um, first of all, in studies, it's gone head to head with Prozac. It's, I mean, it's for an antidepressant, it's amazing. But it increases almost all of the good neurotransmitters we need. So serotonin, dopamine, mm -hmm. endorphins, like all of these things that make us feel better and settled down. Mm -hmm. It can actually help with your anxiety. So it boosts blood flow, so it helps with depression, but it also settles down your emotional brain. So 100%, it's, love it. it's amazing. I love it. You know, I just referred to the time of my life when I was entering menopause, and I can remember going to a new doctor, and uh, because I was looking around, do I want to do uh, natural hormone therapy or bioidentical uh, bio or, um, or the other? So I knew I didn't want to put anything in my body that wasn't natural, but I thought, I'm going to listen to both. You know, I'm going to see both do kinds of doctors. I ended up doing only bioidentical, only natural. Uh, but I thought, okay, I'll, I'll go see this other doctor. And so she did the blood work. And then I went in to have a consult with her. And she said, well, life as you know, it is over. And I remember <laughs> just looking at her like, I'm dying? Like, what? And she said, no. But she gave me a stack of prescriptions. She, go, she said, go fill these and come back in six months. And I thought, wow. And... And I, you know, I'm not bashing any any doctors here or any type of of treatment plan for anyone who chooses it. But the first prescription on the stack was Prozac. Yeah. And I just thought, oh, my I just, I'm convinced this is not for me. My doctor told me the same thing when I told her I wanted to do bioidenticals. Yes. She said, my Western medicine doctor said, you should probably not do that. Instead, consider taking an antidepressant. Yes. I was like, yes. I'm confused. Like, like if my no. hormones are low and I'm feeling miserable because that, why am I going to take an antidepressant? Yes. I'm not I'm not depressed. My, my body's just changing in ways right. that I, it's supposed to. Right. I, this is a natural part of life. Right. So I'm not depressed about it. I'm actually very excited. Right. I'm excited to learn and, and, and just find out what's happening and, and embrace it. Yeah. So no, thank you. Yeah, and I started taking bioidenticals and it made such a difference. I take them because I don't want to end up on the six o'clock news. Yeah. <laughs> yes. so, and I want to stay married. Yes. <laughs> yes. It makes such a huge difference. <laughs> yes. I want to yes, I want to stay married. <laughs> and I want my children to love me still and not go, get me out of here. Yeah. <laughs> so many reasons. Exactly. Many reasons. So how has daily exercise helped not only you but also your patients? Just when you say exercise. So do you believe daily exercise is yes. very, very yes. important? Even in so a lot of people will write to me and say, well, I can't because I have a back issue. I have four herniated discs in my back. Oh. Like right now. I have four. <gasps> you do? So I do. Mm. Um, I practiced karate for a long time. Probably wasn't the best thing, oh, but right. I love it so much. Oh, that's right. Um, I want to tell, I want to interrupt a little bit right here and tell the, the listeners that you have a black belt in Taekwondo. 
Yeah, and a second degree in, in Kempo Karate. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Do you know yeah. our oldest son, Jay, is a fourth degree black belt in Taekwondo? Oh, wow. So he can do the flips. <laughs> well, yeah. it was when I was pregnant with our youngest, and he came in and said, Mom, I, wanna, I want you to enroll me in Taekwondo because, yeah. it, of course, we didn't know what we were having. He said, "But because I need to be able to protect yep. this little sister or brother. Yep. And he was only seven. That's and I was so like, cute. Okay. And he went on to get his fourth degree in That's black amazing. Belt. And I remember him swinging and yep. doing those kicks and breaking those boards and all of that. And so I cannot imagine how you're walking because yep. you walked in here in such a graceful, beautiful way. <laughs> Well, and that, that's the point. So I love martial arts. I'm not going to give it up. I will modify it now that I'm about to be 52. I will oh, modify congratulations. it. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it's the best time of my life. But I will modify the way I do it because I want to be doing it when I'm 70. Yes. Right? So I'm finally willing to modify it. For a long time, I just I was so aggressive with it, and I loved it so much as hitting mm. stuff feels so wow. good. Uh -huh. But yep. anyways, that's, <laughs> that also increases endorphins. <laughs> it's great therapy. Oh. But um, you go and hit pads. Well. Yes. But... But people will write to me and say, but I can't exercise because I have a knee problem. I can't exercise because I have a back problem. I have issues with my back. Mm -hmm. I have scoliosis, mm -hmm. herniated discs. Oh. But I always tell people the same thing. Focus on what you can do, not on what you can't do. My director of social media, who I just adore, Natalie, I hired her about five years ago. Mm -hmm. She's a quadriplegic. She's in a chair, broke her neck when she was 16. Oh. And... She exercises every single day. And when I think about that, I'm uh -huh. like, she does a crazy like workout every day for herself. <gasps> to, and she, they told her she'd never walk. She can walk with a walker across <gasps> the room now. Oh, so, I love that. You know, when people tell me they can't do anything, mm -hmm. I'm like, you're focusing on what you can't do. That's right. You can do something even if it's sitting in your chair and flap your arms. Yeah. You can do something. Words are so <laughs> powerful, aren't they? Right. They're so powerful. It's like, watch what you say. Right. Say that. Not what I can't do, but just what exactly what do. you just said. There's something what I, can I can do. do. <gasps> I mean, I, I still that. exercise even with these discs. Oh, wow. Just differently. That's wonderful. Well, it's safe to say that 2020 has been a challenging year for all of us. As we look to a new year, what are some daily habits to keep us physically and mentally strong in 2021? Uh, so number one thing in my house, no news. Mm. No news. The news is toxic. It is not designed to inform you. It is designed to get you angry because wow. that's how they get sponsors. I totally agree with if you. If they on keep that. you hooked, they get sponsors. And I am one of those people who, even though I know it, I'm very susceptible to it. I turn on the TV and within five minutes I'm screaming. Uh -huh. So I don't turn on the TV, especially not in the morning. Bravo. I love so that. So it's it's we just have that rule. My husband doesn't he's not affected the same way, mm -hmm. but he doesn't want me screaming, so uh -huh. he uh -huh. keeps the TV off. Good. So we just don't watch the news. We spend more time together. Mm -hmm. um, we both have this, this these habits. So my husband wakes up and the first thing he does is he'll roll over and he's like, today is going to be a great day. Oh, I love it. And then for me, I think of three things I'm grateful for mm. before I get out of bed. Mm. Because by doing that, if you can actually ask questions or tell your brain something important, like I'll, for me, if I ask myself, how is today going to be a great day? Your brain doesn't have a sense of humor. It's going to try to find an answer. Yes. And so you can fill it with those those positive things to be searching for, or you can turn on the news and fill it with negative things. True. And then in our house, eating healthy is, is more critical than ever. Mm -hmm. So if you're too busy, if you're too depressed, if you're too anxious, whatever it is, and you say to yourself, you're too busy to eat healthy, I would say to you, you're too busy not to eat healthy. You're too busy not to take care of yourself. Because if you break down, especially right now, yep. what are all the people in your life going to do? That's so true. I so, love that. You know, and then for me, prayer and meditation. Mm -hmm. That's just huge for us. Mm -hmm. I, I agree with that. I love to journal. Yes, uh -huh. journaling Prayer, is awesome. Uh -huh. I love that. I love that. So just have a plan. Yeah, have absolutely. a positive plan. And none of those things day. are hard. Start your day. You're right. It's, and it's it makes a big difference on when the moment you open your eyes, how you choose to start your day. Right. I love that. Do you feel your personal hurdles have helped you understand your patients better? 100%. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I... I um, I talk about it a lot in the book, the transformation. You know, we all start at one place, and if we choose to evolve in a positive way, you end up in a different place. Mm -hmm. So when I started, you know, I was very judgmental. It was even weird for me with my husband being a psychiatrist and the stories we would hear, and some of them were just really hard because I'm like, that's a little too triggering from my past. Mm -hmm. But as I began to work with people and see them through those four circles, I began to see patients and even oh. people in my own life through their biology, their psychology, their social circle, their spiritual circle, I began to see their struggles, their challenges. Yes. And understand that, you know, behavior is complicated. 
Yes, that's so true. It's so funny how we have really, I believe, connected here because I'm looking down at these questions I've put together and it's like we've been asking and you've been answering almost before. <laughs> I say right here, you share in the book that finding love with your husband helped you love yourself again. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you've almost answered it, but is there anything else you want to say about that? The one thing I would say about that is... Um, you know, when you're in a relationship, in my mind, the difference in being in a relationship where you can't be yourself, mm. where you know it's not safe to be yourself, where it's not safe to, to talk about certain things, therefore you don't get help. Mm. Um, versus a relationship when you are with someone who cherishes you for the challenges you've been through, who cherishes you, doesn't label you as broken, defective, but instead is like, wow, oh. you're so strong. That's amazing. Oh. You know, and then it gives you that, for me, it gave me a safe space mm -hmm. to be able to go, okay, maybe this isn't, maybe it's okay uh -huh. to open up. Maybe it's okay to be vulnerable. Maybe it's okay to go get help. I would have never done that otherwise. <gasps> I love But that. I felt so safe. I love that. And I'm not a person who likes to be vulnerable. Uh-huh. I like to be strong. Oh. But that gave me that safety to be able to do that. And it made you even stronger yeah. when you learned to be vulnerable. Yep. It does. It brings people closer. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's beautiful. What do you hope your readers take away from this book? Hope. Mm. I hope they take away hope. I hope that they, you know, there are there are very clear sort of lessons. I mean, it's not a self-help book. It's not spelled out that way. But the lessons are, you know, really about that scared child, about how we've all, you know, when we've, most of us have been through something. If we can meet each other in that place, it's about forgiveness. It's about understanding um it's easy to call people bad. It's harder to ask why. Mm -hmm. And that we're more beautiful because of the broken pieces. Mm. Well, tell the listeners when and where they can get your new book, The Relentless Courage of a Scared Child. So it is available on any site that sells um, books, you know, Barnes & Noble, mm -hmm. Amazon. But if you go to RelentlessCourage.com, even if you've purchased it at one of those sites, you can get my free gifts. I actually have oh. almost $500 worth of free gifts <gasps> that really help people. We designed it to be able to help people tell their story and journal and there's a course that we filmed oh. but to really help people begin their journey in self-discovery mm. so um we've got that's on relentlesscourage.com but we also have an event coming up december 12th that is free my husband oh. and i are putting on and it's it's really to help people with this whole process of what we've been talking about oh i they can love go to my that. website tannaamon.com forward slash event if they're more interested in more of that oh wonderful yeah. and do you have instagram i yeah. do and what is that at tana amon Oh, I love it. Yeah, that's actually where I answer the most questions personally. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. And all of you listeners can go to I've Got a Secret with RobinMcGraw.com and we'll have all of that information on there as well. So now we've come to a time in our podcast to do what we do in every podcast, and that's play a game. Awesome. How do you feel about games? I love it. Oh, good. Okay, so this is called the five second summary. For today's game, I'm going to read a prompt. We're each going to have five seconds to finish the thought. There are no wrong answers for this game. So secret squad, play along. <laughs> All right. My first thoughts in the morning are five seconds. Go ahead. Today is going to be a great day. And three things I'm grateful for. Oh, wonderful. Okay. My first thoughts in the morning are I am going to make sure today I get some exercise. I'm going to make sure today to tell my husband I love and adore him. And I'm going to reach out to my grandchildren and my children. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> okay, the next one. When I need extra motivation, I pray, meditate. Pray and meditate. Okay, so my answer is when I need extra motivation, I talk to my friends that I just think are adorable and fun. I find someone who makes me laugh in mm. my day. Okay, the next one. My favorite ways to unwind and de-stress are? Hang out with my husband. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> He's my rock. <laughs> oh, I love that. Okay, so my favorite ways to unwind and de-stress are? Stay at home. Yes, stay at home with my husband in the evenings and binge watch something on TV. Yes. Also soak in a bubble bath. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Especially if I can binge watch something with my husband. <laughs> yes. We love binge watching new series or old right. series. We Philip's in charge of that. He finds them and then we binge watch. That's great. <laughs> okay. My guilty pleasure is? Oh, wow. Um, I think um, baking, but turning recipes oh. into healthy ones. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Okay. So my guilty pleasure 
is um, my guilty pleasure is finding a new restaurant we can order something delicious from. Mm, yeah. Yes. My other guilty pleasure, and I know it's, I'm like breaking the rules here, but karate. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. I guess that needs to be probably, I don't know if my body, my body, I'm 66 years old. I don't think my body could take me taking on karate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The next, I feel my best when. When I've got my lifestyle, um, those four circles, when I follow yeah. my four circles. So I exercise, I eat right, mm -hmm. pray, meditate, and treat the people I love with respect. Good, good one. Good answer. Okay, so I feel my best when I make myself go to bed on time because mm. I tend to stay up all night. If Philip's traveling for some reason, I will not even go to bed. And oh. that's so bad for oh. me. Yes. I, it's so bad when I don't get enough rest. So I feel my best when I make sure I get enough rest. When I drink a lot of water, because mm -hmm. I tend to not drink water unless I, I wait until I get home and I shouldn't do that. Okay. <laughs> I'm most proud of my family. I'm mm -hmm. so proud of my daughter. I mean, my husband obviously Aww. is amazing, but I'm so proud of how my daughter turned out and my family. I think I have yeah. to just echo that. I'm most proud of my family and, uh, how happy my children are and the lives they've created yeah. for themselves. Yes. My heart is fullest when? When I'm connected spiritually, when I'm <sighs> connected to God. Yes, yes. My heart is fullest when, yes, I feel I'm, I'm connected to the spiritual side of my life and I see it in the lives right. of my family. Okay. Oh, that's the last one. Oh, that was fun. Oh, that was <laughs> fun. Okay, so that brings us to the end of the podcast, Hannah. I'm so sad. I know. This has been so much fun. It has been so much fun. <laughs> I feel like I could just continue to talk and visit with you for the rest of the day. You are such an inspirational woman. Mm, thank you so much. So please, again, tell the listeners where to find your book and where to find more information about you and Amon Clinics. Absolutely. So for me, TanaAmon.com. You can also go to AmonClinics.com. Um, and for the book, it's RelentlessCourage.com. And if you want to join our free event on December 12th, it is TanaAmon.com forward slash event, where we are going to give away a full evaluation. Oh, I love that. That's so yeah. wonderful. So Secret Squad, if you liked this week's episode, leave a comment and a review. And don't forget to visit I've Got a Secret with RobinMcGraw.com for blogs, photos, and other fun extras exclusively for The Secret Squad. I hope you all have a blessed rest of your week. Until next time, bye-bye.